Hello! Oh, hi! Hi! Uh, Welcome to Praise Dionysus! Praise him! Praise him! Hey, oh, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, today we're going to be continuing our midsummery. Yes. What is this, week four of midsummer? Like uh, the final e- week? Episode four? Episode four, but I'm also thinking now, like right now in terms of time. I don't think midsummer goes for four weeks. <laughs> today we're going to be talking about The Angel with Blue Eyes of La Mama, Oracle by Bass Fam Creative. And Thrive by Black Apple Theatre. We sure are. We sure are. We're very excited for this fourth week of Midsummer. Oh my god. I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Here we are together again. Yep. Bravely we go on. Bravely we continue. Yes. Uh, hi, Jake. Hello, James. Here we are. Uh-huh. Praise Dionysus. Yes, praise, praise him. him. Um, how has your week been? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And mine's been good, so let's get on with the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, what have you been up to? Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, it's been like a busy-ish week. Monday to Thursday was just work. Uh, and then this weekend has been... I've seen you the past two days before this in a row, which feels weird. To see me that often. Yeah, I don't see you that often. Sure. Like, we really only see each other for this show. And then, if the show didn't exist, I don't think we'd ever hang out because we hate each other. Oh my god, the fantasy. The fantasy. Oh my god, no more James. The people keep demanding for the show to go on, so uh-huh. here we are. I, yeah, I bow to clamors. Gonna bow to clamors. That is my policy. Um, no, so, uh, yeah, so saw you for... I don't think we saw each other on purpose, did we? What do you mean? We went to Handsome Henry's Picnic. We did, went to Handsome Henry's Picnic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh... And I just want to clarify to all my friends who are Henry, you're all handsome, but this is one particular handsome Henry that we're talking about. Just going to make sure I soften the blows to someone's ego there. Right, in case some really, really miserable Henry is assuming, well, if that's not me, then I must be the hideous one. No! No Henrys are hideous. All Henrys are beautiful. Um, I I ended up, I went and did some errands. I have nothing interesting to say here, but trust me, I did stuff. Have you done stuff, I believe Jake? You. What, what's your rating? What's your star rating? We'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get, you want to do it? Yeah, okay, yeah. No, keep people on tenterhooks. We should keep them on the edge. Sure. What have I been doing? What have you been doing? Um, most of the vaccine plays and working. Um, going to school. Potentially passed a test there. Great. Um, was it a pasta test? Was it a pasta test? And you said pasta test. Uh, no, no. I would certainly fail that. But I am currently in a real. And not to talk like TikTok, but in a real pasta era at the moment. Like, it's, Oh, he's entering his carbs era. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's one of like the two and a half things that I'm able to cook. And so it's just like I'm le- leaning in hard. Especially What's the because, other one and a half? Um, I can microwave broccoli. You can, I know that for a fact. Thank you. And then I can sort of just like guess my way through a stir fry, which I don't really count as a meal. So that's the half. I guess the microwaved broccoli should be the half. But I mean, neither of them should be a full one. That's why it's not a three. You know, you work out the maths at home. But anyway, that's that. But yeah. And also because I've just like fairly recently learned that carbohydrates are not like as bad for your body as people kept telling me that they were in the media. Right. And that's my story about carbohydrates. I want to hear more about them. Are carbohydrates good for you? Yeah, they're good for you. And your like brain needs them. It's like it's your body's preferred fuel source. Yeah. (laughs) You heard it here, folks. Eat more carbs. Eat more pasta. It's really good. And, yeah, otherwise I'm reading Mina Suvari's memoir, which I'm really, really enjoying. Mina Suvari? Mina Suvari, she was in American Beauty. Mm-hmm. She was in Sugar and Spice. Nope. She was in Loser with Jason Biggs. She nope. was in American Pie, also with Jason Biggs. Never seen it. She's... The, <laughs> I just don't know if she was in any space movies. Well, so then I, I wouldn't know who she is. She's, like... I, that's, this is like... 
like lovely like like blonde like late nineties blooming wonderful actor lady. Gorgeous. And she yeah put a memoir out and it's just like yeah it's well written it's well paced it's like upsetting. And it's really fantastic. I'll keep you updated. Keep me, keeping Nina surpri- surprised. Uh-huh. She told the story of like when she was, which I thought was really unfortunate when she did like the press tour for when the memoir came out. It was sort of at the same time. Like it happened just after Kevin Spacey got outed for being like oh, what yeah. Kevin Spacey ended up mm. being. And so therefore her entire kind of like press tour like, everything seemed to just point back at, like, the one story she tells about Kevin Spacey because she was in American Beauty with Kevin Spacey. Oh, true, okay. And she told the one story... I don't know how much you know about the plot of American Beauty, but an element of it is that, like, it's Kevin Spacey, his character sort of, like, falling accidentally in love with this teenage high school student that Mina Savari plays. And they have quite a lovely scene towards the end where it's, I don't know, quite, you know, personal, whatever it is. And so she just, yeah, told this story about how before they did this very sort of, like, close, emotional, intimate, confusing scene... He like took her into a room and they lay next to each other on a bed and there was this like weird it's this thing that Kevin Spacey seems to have instigated himself. But she says that like she thinks it was genius because it meant that when they did the scene, it really added something. Like it was of course like a pre Me Too time where he was sort of like because he was Kevin Spacey allowed to make those sorts of weird on set yeah. decisions. But she says that she calls him a genius and says that um it, it made the scene better. So I don't Wow. Know. Oh, that's an uncomfortable mm. But, but of all the things that she's even halfway through this book spoken about, like, that's one of the lesser things that's like, oh my goodness, that happened to you? But it's all that she was really able to talk about during any of the media that I saw when she was releasing the book. But, yeah, I think it's fantastic. And Mina I will, Savari. against everyone's will, keep bringing up Mina Suvari. <laughs> Do it. Tell us more. I will. Mm. Just you wait. What's it called? Um, it's called The Great Peace. Uh, peace is in Peace on Earth or Peace is in Peace P-E-A-C-E. Peace, yep. like, yeah, two Peace fingers up like a rabbit. Yes, it's named after a book of poetry that she wrote when she was a teenager. Oh, great. Yeah. Sounds good. It was really good. It's how, really great. How many, how many pages? <laughs> I actually don't talk about books that way. Does it look like it'll be too big for me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. That's all I need to know. Um, yeah, no, so, I don't know. Should, um, we rate our, should we rate our week out of five? Yes, I think out of five I'll give my week uh, 24. Oh, out of I'm five, twelve. Because I think that's how many chapters I am through Mina Savari's book. That's a lot of chapters. It's a lot of chapters because she's doing the Da Vinci Code thing where the chapters are really short. Uh, which is great. Okay. Because it feels like you're just getting through it. And also it makes it easier to conveniently stop reading. Absolutely. At like a very nice little point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nothing worse well. than me like sending through a book and wanting to stop and like checking where the next chapter ends and it's so far away. I, again, I don't read books that way, but it's really revealing hearing how you do. What do you mean <laughs> it's revealing? I just want to... I, I just think it's like sweet in the way that it's similar to the way that like high school students talk about books. When it's like the English teacher goes, make sure you read chapter fourteen and fifteen tonight, and then all, like all the kids flick through to see how big chapter fourteen and fifteen are, and then they're like, "Oh, hey, I'm getting <laughs> back into reading. It's taking me some time, and I could do without the ridicule." No, no, I'm not oh, saying no, re- no ridicule. I'm certainly not one of those people that puts reading on a pedestal re- of like this is the best re- art to ingest. Re- ridicule, ridicule, yeah, like ridicule, but with read in it. Uh, yeah, no, you, and it's things like that that make me really think that you're a big fan of literature. I love literature, I love reading. Uh-huh. <laughs> I read a book about a gay guy. <laughs> you did. Two different books about the same gay guy. Yeah, one of them worse than the other one. Uh-huh. Um, I would give my week 12. Uh-huh. Because that's how many star signs there are. Uh, oh, is this you foreshadowing something? Foreshadowing, baby. Oh, great. Sorry, yeah. I thought you were about to launch into like a cover, like a, like a parody version of Moonshadow. 
How does Moon Shadow go again? I don't know it very well. I think it's like Moon Shadow, Moon Shadow, Moon. <laughs> but I'm coming to realize Look that maybe the moon, it's got a shadow. It's possible that I've only heard Moon Shadow sung by people who were mocking the Cat Stevens musical as they sang it. So it might not even be a real song. <laughs> moon Shadow. No, I don't think I've ever heard it. The song? Mm. Are you a Cat Stevens fan? I like cats. Yup. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> Let's do you want to talk about some theatre? Was that an answer? Let's do it. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> You're looking bored. What? I'm trying to sing the song but make it funny. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your whole. What song? You're all you... I've ever wanted. And my mind has taken control. I don't know the words of that song. What song are you singing? Um, oh god, what is it? Oh, come they right in. You know that song. No. Yes. Because I, I started doing Adele and you launched into some sort I of like... I can see it in your eyes. I can I see, see it in your smile. Anyway, sorry that someone out there has worked out what it is and they're frustrated that we don't know. I'll think of it later. Uh-huh. Um, I went to La Mama. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Who asks? Sure. <laughs> And I was there to see The Angel with Blue Eyes, oh. which is a play written by Freddie Fitzpatrick Lubowitz and directed by Bronya Doyle. Gorgeous. I really like saying Bronya Doyle. That's a great name. Yeah. Bronya. Bronya's, the, Bronya's a great name. Bronya's great by itself, and then mm. you add a Doyle to the Bronya end. Doyle. Yep. Sold. <laughs> yeah, I went with Saxon. Oh, yes. Sure. <laughs> he does stuff with teeth. Yes. Yeah, he used to be a dental nurse. That's the one. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we went. We went along. It was like the, the HQ one, not the other one. Yep. Yep, just so everyone can picture it the correctly. headquarters, if you will. I will. And we went. We got our raffle tickets when we arrived. We almost won the raffle. What was the raffle? What was the... Oh, he says this with fear because he wouldn't have wanted to win. Never, ever. <laughs> I would have... Oh, okay, go on. Everyone but me wants to win this raffle. What's the prize? It was one of those, like, headbands with a, with a halo on top, like a fluffy halo. Oh, that's cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's good because you could wear it anywhere. You could wear it in the show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, more shows should have merchandise available. But merchandise that is just, like, devil horns or... Party hats, you know, just like silly little gimmicks you can put on during the show. Okay, that's fun. Thanks. Sure, I thought it was fun. Sure, like the stuff that makes you feel like maybe you're at like a like a staff Christmas party. Exactly. Or like a, the hen's night of someone you don't know very well. Oh God, yes, exactly yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we went. We sat inside. Right. We sat in the front row. Perfect. Show began. Genius touch. Well Could done, Bronya. Up with this. <laughs> um, of course, firstly, I have to flag the fact that Bridget Morrison was in the show. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Carry on. What, what was that high-pitched sound? No, just excited that you're excited. Oh, great. You're just mirroring back my feelings. Yes, exactly. Yes, because yeah, Bridget yeah. Morrison, of course, who I... I'm sure she, even she is sick of me harping on about how much I enjoy watching her as a performer. Mm. Because she was in Lenore. Mm. She was in... What was the recent... Oh, yes. Yes. Now, now it does click. Year me. of Our Lord. Yes. 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 All these uh, things I, and more. The I, one where she was, like, crazy with a baby. Yes. <laughs> I've never seen her, but I know her because you harp on about her. I do, to yes. anyone that will ask. It's just... For me, it's just Mina Safari's memoir or Bridget Morrison. That's good. <laughs> Bridget, put your memoir out. Uh, yeah, we no. want Bridget Morrison. Oh. oh. You can use that. That's for you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, she was, like, the central figure in the piece. Uh, so, yeah, the show begins... 
And it's, generally speaking, like sort of like to drag you quickly through the synopsis, like you're behind a horse and cart. I don't know why I'm going vivid with this. No, it's good. Um, I'm in the mud. It's, so, so Bridget's playing a lesbian and she's in an abusive domestic relationship with her like woman lover. Uh-huh. And then she also has two brothers who she's kind of reconnecting with all of a sudden because she was kind of like thrown out of her family for being a lesbian because the family itself is very Christian. Yep. And then it's sort of like we come to understand as well that the other two brothers aren't super... Like, the one brother is kind of like not super in the family, not to the fullest extent that she was like, you're a lesbian, leave. But the brother is just like a bit too slutty for their rather Christian sensibilities. In a homosexual way? or in No, just, just in like way. a... I like that you would assume raging homosexual just... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no. So that's... Yeah, so Charlie Boscolo is playing this like promiscuous brother who's also not the favourite child. Mm-hmm. And then Ryan Tracy is playing the youngest brother who is still sort of like deep in the indoctrination... Well, at least seems quite deep in the indoctrination of these the Christian lifestyle of the family and is harping on still about, like, loving the Bible and sort of, like, being oh. on the parents' side in terms of throwing Bridget out of the family. Oh, God, okay. So, like, a large theme in the show is the damage that religion can do to a person and to a family and to someone's sense of self and their ability to feel love is kind of, like, a thing. Mm. Yeah. Throughout some, the show. Throughout the show. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. So, and it, it's kind of largely about the siblings and their sort of the, the desire they have to they're still sort of drawn to each other by caring for each other but there's all this as with sort of you know any family there's these complexities that mm. stand in the way of them being as close as their hearts want them to be God sibling relationships are some of the most interesting relationships I think you can do in theatre why is I think, that I just think sibling relationships are like they just they come pre-packaged with so much stuff already you know it doesn't matter at what point you've been living with your siblings the whole time, if you're estranged from your siblings, there's so much predetermined drama from the fact that you're related that you can just do anything with it. I think it's just a really good mm. relationship to do on stage. I think you're right. I, yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I first I validate your opinion. Thank you, I and like I think that. It's, it's interesting in the way of like you can implant, and I forget which show made me start thinking about this. It's which one, show? Which show? It's mm. one that we haven't spoken about yet, but it, was, okay. it made me think about how when you're playing with those sorts of relationships, especially very, like, long-standing or familiar ones, Mm. the way that directors and actors can, like, implant these things that are kind of a shorthand for the intimacy that particular people feel for each other. Yeah, totally. And I think they're they're especially nice because they're almost like this sweet little human dog whistle that you'll only pick up on if you kind of have those types of relationships in your life as well. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a really beautiful thing that people can do theatrically. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. yeah. More so, sibling theatre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Like that? Okay, you, you can carry that poster to the rally. <laughs> no, I think I'll put it down, but go on. Um, Anne-Marie Biagioni. So this is where I'm throwing Another a spanner in the works. name. Sorry, go great. on. No, that's great. No, anytime there's a hyphen, I'm intrigued. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely, if, if I had to have a baby tomorrow, it would absolutely get like a, like a, like a, like a funky, like white trash name with a hyphen in it. Oh yeah, okay, like yeah, like a like a Miranda Lee or, oh, or like sure. a Sarah Jo. Sarah Lynn. Sarah Lynn. Yeah, there you go. Barbara May. Mm. Yes, that'd absolutely. Sandra D. Sandra D. Sure, these are options for sure. Mm, so nice. you know, if you want, I mean, if you've got a spare baby lying Sandra around, Sandra D. Stewart. That works. Sandra D. Stewart. Mm. I just feel like my surname in that instance drags the fun out of it. I mean, that's sort of a problem you're just going to come across with any time you name a child and you give it your surname. Maybe. So maybe just drop that. Maybe I need to find a husband with a really whimsical surname and maybe we could blend them. 
Sure, okay. We could well, blend what would, in. What would ours be? Or we could hyphenate both surnames together. It'd be like a Mary Jo Stewart Bergen. <laughs> Bergen? I guess I'm marrying a male Candace Bergen. Yeah, in listen in. If, you're, if your surname's Bergen, you got a chance. <laughs> Don't know where it came from. Probably the, the future, probably. Yeah, I think it's someone's trying to really up. resonate with you. I keep guessing people's horoscopes. Like, correctly? Yeah. No, just... <laughs> <laughs> I just walk up to people and go, Sagittarius! <laughs> and they say, no... Then they walk away. I keep getting it. Or I guess the correct birth What's mine? Yours. Ooh, I want to say a fucus. Oh, is it the fake one? The, f- the oh, fake one. We need to keep. We need to stop talking about star signs because that's because we're g- going to talk about it later. We'll talk about that. Yeah, later. we'll save it for later. <laughs> um, yeah, Angel so, with blue eyes. So to come back to Anne Marie Biagioni. Yes. So she's playing this like <laughs> I say this lovingly. The the vibe I got from the get go was kind of like. A sentient bowl of stockings, <laughs> kind of like in the way that she You're was. You're gonna need to, <laughs> to clarify. You get it. You can believe it. Um, she uh, sort of like in a very you know in a way that I was grateful for because it was a thing that I could constantly like you know when there's like a something happening throughout an entire show that and it's often a person or it's like some sort of like odd set piece or it's I don't mm. know something you can just check in with throughout a show. Sure. Sometimes yep. it's like a really great ensemble member that's in all the large cast numbers. Okay. It's like, okay, I've sort of lost interest in this, so I'm going to look at this instead. Yep, totally. You know? So, so um, a ball of stockings. A ball of stockings. So she was this kind of like poetry spouting, like ghostly creature that was kind of like, mm. sometimes felt like a conscience, sometimes felt like a voice in the head, sometimes felt like almost like a, like a, like a, like a playwright insert or something. Great. Like she just kind of always had kind of like a, a bunch of odd remarks to make. <laughs> That's such a good presence, I think, in a show to have like the weird, vaguely sort of fourth wally spiritual one. You're pop into in. that sort of thing. I love that. I think it's great. I love like a naturalist piece with like a ghost of Christmas past in it. I think that's wonderful. Sure, even if they're not necessarily because it was only a limited extent to which Anne Marie's character did engage with anyone in the show very actively. Even if they're just kind of like there to be like, and now let's see what happens over here. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, cool. I think that's a fun. I think that's a fun use of a weird character. Great. I love that. Okay, that's. I good. can see how you wouldn't. No, 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 no. It's not me not liking it. It's just like a funny component because it's almost like. You could absolutely make like the dramaturgical argument, it's, and I'm sure they had this conversation in rehearsal or script development or something, where it's like, "What if we just got rid of this space demon and sure. see what happens to the show?" Yeah, so I, wonder, it's like, I wonder what the justification was beyond behind keeping that character. Sure, yeah, yeah, and mm. I think it, yeah, had a lot to do with um, like Bridget's character, sort of like listening to herself and like trusting her instincts and the kind of like, there, there being this because it's it's a presence that sort of went away as Bridget's character took a bit more sort of like ownership and advocacy for herself in her life. So it seems to have been tied somewhat to her not listening to her in a voice or something. And some why point. was she a ball of stockings? She was, it was just the energy that it gave off. It felt... What some, the fuck does that mean? Like she was dressed like all in black and was kind of like that slinky... Like, you know what? I could talk about this movie too often. You know what Fergie's wearing in Nine when she's on the beach? I do, yes. Only because you made me watch that clip. Yes. Yeah, when she's like at the very start and it's in black and white still and she's like, the little boys are like, oh, look, it's that that, that slutty witch that lives by the sea. And oh, Fergie's like, hello, I'm Italian. And then like falls onto the sand and she's like, boobs, 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 boobs. <laughs> we have different memories of that. <laughs> yeah, um, it's sort of that sure. sort of outfit. The, thi- the, the sort of thing where it's like, I don't know, you just imagine you, you cover a person in like different shades of black and then they've got like... Because when you say ball of stockings, my, I think theatrical tumbleweed. 
That's absolutely the energy of it. Okay, and well, sort of, like, you got it across. To, yeah, like, her first entrance is from underneath the audience bank. And, like, slithers <gasps> out. I mean, that's great. You know, like... Tell me like, about that. Well, it's just that. Like, it, it's that thing where it's, like, it feels almost like she enters as, like... You know, when, like, a haze machine goes off? And it's, yeah. like... And, like, the space fills with smoke. Yeah. it's That was kind of her entrance. That's a cool entrance. Sure. I mean, yeah. I'm, this year, I'm really into cool entrances. That's what I'm into. Oh, fun thing to yeah, be into. Yeah. I'll pop that on my list. I... <laughs> Uh, just invented this nightmare just based on what you just said. Go about on. The prospect of like, can you imagine sitting in like the front row of, like imagine you went to this show. Okay. You're sitting there and for some reason you just hate Anne-Marie as a person. And you're sitting in the front row and you're like, God. If Anne-Marie's in this show. <laughs> I, no, it's like, you know she's I in really the show. She but you're look, like, look, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's it. you're sitting there and you're like, God, I hope Anne-Marie doesn't suck. She always sucks. And also, here's this terrible secret I have about Anne-Marie. She told me not to tell anybody. Oh, but yeah. I have to let you know that she actually killed a bunch of dogs. <laughs> and then and then the show starts, and from underneath your seat comes Anne-Marie. Looking a little sad. Clearly having heard what you said. And then you at the front row have to be trying to make apologetic eye contact oh with her the God. entire show. <laughs> Poor Anne-Marie. Poor Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, want to know. And I think, yeah, not to keep dwelling on Anne-Marie's performance and her, like, a stocking ghost demon character, but it was the, sort of the, the vessel through which we got, and this is a term that I'm still working on, but the play itself was one of what seems to be, like, a real trendy thing at the moment, mm. um, of space washing. Space, okay, okay. Okay, so it's a thing that we've touched on, I think, once or twice before, mm. but I call it space washing, and what this is... <laughs> is it's when a play ties itself to astronomy and uses, like, stars and planets and, like, astronomical phenomena. I am cast out amongst the constellations. That sort of thing where it's, like, it uses symbolism from, like, outer space and all these things to kind of, like, I don't know, use space to mirror or to connect or to, I don't know, maybe even, like, validate through... Like astronomical means space human themes. Yeah, okay, you're right. That that is a trendy thing that occurs. Yes, and it's been happening. Like it seems to be getting more and more frequent. Like I think the the one that first made me start thinking about it as like a like a writing concept, I guess, was like it was at the Butterfly Club, and it was two people who were friends. I feel like it was called Genesis. Mm. It had Benjamin Nickel and Mafanui Hawking in it. Oh yeah, and that whole thing was about like this phenomenon that happens between two stars where they're constantly circling each other but they never connect. Like, See, that's that's fine, because that feels like the actual story itself is about stars. But that's the thing. So it's like, well, sure. But it's like, yeah. And it's like a show that we're yet to talk about. Um, but no, it's a show that we saw together a while ago. About like a run. Yes. That like show about that Jewish boy who, and the whole thing with him. See, that's like, a little more confusing with the star imagery. Well, even that, like during the show, it's like they compare their love affair to being like Ganymede and Venus. And how oh, and the idea yeah. of Ganymede, like a Venus pulling Ganymede out of its gravitational pull around Jupiter. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a thing. Space washing. Space that's washing. A, that's a. I, I'm going to use that term. Sure. Yeah. And pretend I came up with it. <laughs> I bet. Um, yeah. And this show too, like on top of <laughs> on top of Emery's character seeming like she's some sort of space demon. Mm. Um, they use the three siblings to kind of represent three planets from the solar system as well. Oh, which planets? They do Venus, Mars, and Jupiter. Great. Yeah. Good um, planets. Yeah, I forget which one's the lesbian. I presume Venus, I suppose. I mean, that, I suppose, yeah. Womanly, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, yeah. girls come from Venus. What do? Girls. Go- yes, yes, I read that in a book. <laughs> you don't want to know the second line. Never. Is it... 
What's the second line? Like, well, isn't the old one like, boys come from Mars to, where they eat Mars bars and girl, girls come from Venus. I think it's, I don't want to say it because I will get cancelled. But I think it's like, to suck boys' penis. Was what was I said at my school. I never heard that That's rhyme. what was said at my school. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to put a record that I never agreed with it. I think girls always came from Jupiter. Did you? Boys did, but, are stupider. But when your when your peers were chanting that song, were you trying to shout over the top of them? Don't say that. Yes, because to have done nothing would have been an uh, a choice to do nothing. It would have been complicity. Yeah. So I shouted at them and threw rocks and stones at them. Um. Yeah. And so yeah. And so Bridget is trapped in this lesbian domestic abuse situation, mm-hmm. and that's like the central sort of like drama and concern that the show. Orbits around. Sure. Um, Orbit. Yeah, which was intense. Because I don't think I've ever seen lesbian domestic violence before. <laughs> like, I've never seen the L word. I don't know how much domestic oh, abuse sure, is in sure. that. You mean, like, not even in real life? No. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why would I... Keep have... your eyes open, Sonny. I, I, I don't think I'm turning a blind eye to a bunch of I saw there was in, in Shadowfall, there was, that was one of the... One of the elements of that show was that the main character was in a relationship with a, with another woman that seemed to be vaguely abusive. Okay, cool. Not um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Brad! It was really good. Cool. Um, okay, yeah, well, no. No, it's great that the, the story's getting told. I guess I just, as I was sort of saying when we were mm. talking about Milf and the Mistress, uh, the Milf and the Mistress, it's I... It's a world we're not super exposed to. No, I, yeah. I'm not, yeah, fully immersed in, like, lesbianism. No. <laughs> and no, lesbians. You wouldn't be just in day-to-day life unless you're actually going out and finding it. Which is part of the wonderful things about Midsummer, Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I agree, because even though, like, we march in the same parades, we don't necessarily, like, have heaps in common. Or We're not on the bikes other. with the dykes. <laughs> Which is the thing we are allowed to say. Dykes on bikes, very proudly, yeah. Okay, great. They're so cool. <laughs> Who are? The dykes on bikes. You know, they start the parade? They start the parade, so they're always the front of the parade. It's Which all... parade? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, I'm pretty sure it's, like, Pride Parade here, but I'm pretty sure it's in Mardi Gras as well. The dykes on bikes are always at the front with their motorbikes. It's just a bunch of queer women... One queer woman. No, it's a bunch of queer women on motorbikes, and it's just like a bikey gang of of queer women uh-huh. hooning down the street, leading the parade. Great. Have you not seen them at the front of the parade? No, I'm too anxious at parades to pay much attention. Sure, that's fair enough. <laughs> you are an anxious person. Is it person. though? I don't know if that's fair it's enough. It's fair enough for you. <laughs> right. mm. Thank you for permitting me to. Uh, all of this to say, love the dykes on bikes. Great. Uh, Bridget Morrison, again, I'm not going to get hung up on just, like, yeah, offering my own parade of just complimenting her. But again, wonderful to see her. Add to the tapestry. She did really, really well in terms of, like, it was great to see the way that she let the the, the misery and the downtroddenness of her character's situation inhabit her body. Like, I'm just mm. always so into her physicality when she, yeah, the way she characterizes the, the, the people that she plays um, and the yeah. way that she commits her body to these things. I just always find so fantastic. And again, I just love the way she talks. I think her voice is great. Totally. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like its, its resonance and its depth. And I really enjoy watching her again, but I will not get hung up on that because I will. I hope um, I get to see Bridget at some point soon. It's insane that you have not gotten to. Well, we should change it up and let me see her next show. Okay. <laughs> Bridget, I'm coming for you. <laughs> um, and I just also want to point out, like, yeah, it's a strong cast. And I just want to point out that Ryan Tracy was especially engaging and fun and like mm. peculiar um playing like the young brother who kind of like starts kind of like largely off stage kind of like exploring this 
the suspicion he has about himself that he might be some type of queer. Oh. In, like, the adjectival sense, and not <laughs> the noun queer. Sure. <laughs> I think I'm some type of queer. <laughs> I mean, hey. Don't call yourself that. <laughs> you can. You can. It's your word. Yeah. Oh, my God, no. Reclaim it. Yeah. Reclaim it. I just somehow queer the noun just sometimes hits me in a way that feels a bit hate crimey to my sensibilities. Sure. Okay. You're queer. <laughs> yeah, if you sort of say it like that, like a throwing a rock. That's exactly. Nice. Yes. That's yeah. somehow how it still hits me. Um, but maybe that says more about me than it does about language. I think it does. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm keen to see what Ryan does next because yeah, there are a, a couple scenes, especially where he was just like allowed to sort of like go a bit bonkers. And again, yeah, I just, mm. I'm just in a, into a guy that knows how to yell, you know? And he knows Again, I think like... that says more about you than it does the work, but that's great. <laughs> yeah, I don't like... <laughs> yeah. All the things that are being illuminated about me currently. And yet here we are. Um, <laughs> great. Good for Ryan. Uh-huh. Uh, great. Do so you want to talk about the next show? Are you ready? I mean, that, isn't that what we're here to do? I suppose that's how this We might thing, as well. It's how it's structured. In the beginning. Oh, my God. <laughs> there were two people in front of a microphone. Yes, go on. That's all I had. Oh, um, of what? <laughs> of, uh, of my new show that I'm writing called... Moracle! Moracle. It's the second one. Second um, we one. saw Oracle. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Not together. No, thank God. But individually. Yes, we separately went to Oracle. Yes, you went first. I did. And then I went. Because I'm braver. Huh. Continue. <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, uh, at the Athenaeum Theatre. Yes. My bass is a bass or bass? It's B A double S. That's bass, right? Yeah. Bass fam created. But when is it pronounced bass? Just double bass? Double bass, yeah. And also, I guess when you're talking about, like, if you're buying a stereo. Sure, I think that's spelt B A S E, isn't it? I, feel like, I think it's B A S S. Again, someone at home is frustrated. Someone tell us. Because <laughs> they're just like, you dumb fucking morons. <laughs> um, so Weasel Bass Fan Collective Oracle. Yeah. Uh, which is a sexy, queer, burlesque cabaret show. Yeah. It's a collection of all circus. sorts of things. Did you say circus? circus? I think I did. I think you said Definitely sexy. should have said circus. Yes. Circus first. Is Circus first. Circus first. Um, yeah, it's a circus, sexy, cabaret, queer time. Great. Uh, based on the star signs. Uh-huh. So, so what? what's your star sign, Jake? So, oh, that's where you want to go first? I think we should immediately just get that out of the way, because it could give some context to the way that we talk. Okay, we'll talk more about this later, but just so you can like be aware of this, I'm a Gemini, <laughs> and you? I'm a Libra, obviously. Uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, who did you see the show with? Uh, I went with Olivia Clark. Right. Dear friend Olivia Clark. Short stage manager. Short, very, very short, very stage managerial. Owns a bird. Does have a bird. The bird's name is Cheeky, and this is a shout out for Cheeky. There it is. <laughs> I make it a point to not give shout outs to birds. And yet here we are. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Tweet, tweet. Um, yeah, so I went along with Olivia Clark. How do you feel about bird owners? Uh, with the context of talking about my friend Olivia Clark, I love them. Factor it into your prejudice. <laughs> I don't like them. You don't like bird owners? No, I, I, here's the, when it comes to birds, I love it, people who have chickens. Okay. I love people that have ducks. Mm-hmm. I love quack, people, quack, quack, quack. <laughs> God, that's rare. Um, but there's something about, and Olivia, I love you and I love Cheeky, but there's something <laughs> about people that own birds and keep them indoors that, to me... It, it mm. hoists the red flag a little bit. Okay. And I'm not sure what it is. Uh, I think it's just, you You think about a crazy cat lady. Uh-huh. Mama, try a crazy bird person. <laughs> like, that's scary. Okay. Especially when they have, like, I think 
small little cute birds is fine, but the people that have like those huge like a shoulder parrot, like a shoulder parrot, and like take the <laughs> parrot out, like, and then they teach the parrot to say things. That's I don't like that. Okay. What do you think? What do you think about birds? I people? love them. I would never say anything negative about Olivia Clark. I'd never do that. <laughs> you bust. <laughs> ah, what a trap. Ah, uh, well, um, I stand by what I said. So you went with Tiny Bird owning Olivia. I did. Who did you go with when you went? I went with Johnny, beautiful British Johnny. Oh yes. Who, yeah. Who I've met more and more recently. Yes. And you do an impression of Johnny, which I always thought was just not real. No. But that is how he talks. It's a dead-on impression. It's a dead-on impression. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you like to do that impression for us briefly? Ah, uh, yeah, I enjoy the circus. Oh, I love it. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with Johnny. Uh, oh, and to get out, uh, I, <laughs> for some reason, feel the need to bring this up. Go At on. interval, I ran into this guy that I went to high school with. And he's just grown up to be like the most handsome firefighter I've ever seen. Oh my god. His name is Tom and he's my role model now. <laughs> Good on you, Tom the Fiery. Yeah, saves lives. Hot. Yeah, has a British girlfriend. Hot. Yeah. Go Tom. <laughs> and seeing sexy burlesque. Yeah, he's got a well-rounded life. That's a great life. Yeah, be more like Tom. Be more like Tom. Um, Less like Jake. <laughs> but I think that's just a standard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be the proviser. Um... So, well, Jake, you yes. notori- what do you notoriously think about circus? Notoriously what I think about circus. Um, I'm afraid of it. Yep. <laughs> I am open to it. I have been like pride open by having seen so many in the last couple of years. Yeah, because you yeah. always said that you hated circus. I That was my original stance, absolutely. And then I famously saw that... Ni- what was it called? 19- 1896. And 18- you saw those tumbling people. Those beautiful Italian brothers that loved each other so much. Yes. <laughs> yes, they, yes. Really, they really wormed their way into your heart. They did. So I cried during that circus at the Regent. And then I was like, look, maybe some circuses are for me. And now here we are. And now here we are. Seeing Circuit. And then saw... Yeah, of course. Saw Gods. And that was mm. like, okay, circus... Um, and then then the highlights of my circusy past. I think the less that it's like, uh, like less the less it's like a greatest showman circus, the more I'm into it. Like the fewer clowns sure. there are, the fewer aminals there are. I think the more I'm into your circus. So you think you, like the more they dress it up in a story? I think even just the less that it feels like. Yeah, it feels more like hey cunts, watch me juggle. Sure, there's something great about like a sexy like. Yeah, yeah, like underground sort of, we don't really care, we're just here to have the circus fun time. Like, I think that's always a nice vibe, as opposed to the, ah, ah, that's yeah. me honking my little clown Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe the less that it's trying to elicit the sound of like, <laughs> which was me. <laughs> yeah. Clarify? <laughs> I think maybe Laughing? something. Laughing? Yeah, I think something that less jokey and more legitimately impressive. Mm. I yeah, suppose. absolutely. And this show, oh boy, did it have some impressive things going on. Oh my god, on. from the moment that I got to the theatre, which mm. too few people know exists, the Athenaeum... The Athenaeum is such a miraculous little weird, like, t- a twilight zone of a theatre. For sure. I love it. Partly because it's, like, really obviously positioned. Mm. Like, it's opposite the Regent Theatre, mm. it's on, like, the intersection of Collins and Swanston Street, yeah. and yet every time I bring it up to people, they have no idea that it's there. Yeah, but it's always, like, one night... Shows like it's always like a one night. It's always weird concert. niche stuff. Yeah. Yes. Because is is the Athenaeum privately? It's completely privately owned and staffed, isn't it? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it I is. know they have that little like library bookshop thing. Yes, they do the Athenaeum library. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what they call it. They called it. Um, so you were immediately impressed as soon as you arrived by like the images, like all the posters oh, sure. were so yeah. beautiful. Publicity for this show. This group, Massfam Creative, have done a bunch of shows like this. Like they did. They're doing Manor, they've done Matador, like a bunch of sexy circus shows, and all their publicity is always is Manor beautiful and is it immaculate. M- Mansion, Manor, which what's the one you're talking about? Mansion. And there's also Matador. Like Great. there's two okay, different cool. 
Great. Yeah, like, yeah, Matador's yeah. more like a, I, I don't know anything about it, but judging by the publicity, like sexy, it's like sexy Spanish bull stuff. Yeah. Latin dancing. But their publicity and all their big posters and stuff are always incredible. Yeah. Like, so good. And what was super goofy about this, too, was like, not only were like the posters beautiful in the way that they were like, what, how would you describe them? It was like spacey and kind of like mermaidy and kind of fantasy, shadowy. I think you're nailing it. Magic. Yeah, I think. And then the show started and it looked that way. Yes. I thought they were yeah. going to trick us. No, <laughs> isn't that nice? But it was it, as beautiful through. as these images. I liked, and here's something I want to talk to you about. <laughs> uh, the Would you call this a preset or pre-show? Like the the cast members wandering through the audience. Oh, move, I'm Wanda. <laughs> um, did you notice that? Were you there for that? I did pick up on the. You picked up on the, the clown people moving through the audience. It was beautiful. It was like it was like a version of like what they sometimes do during the interval of when when people do cats. It was oh, like that. God, but, but a interesting. Better yes, um, and I was at no risk of someone sitting on my lap and stroking my face and going boo. I mean, I wasn't there, so yeah, you're right. But because I. Because you would do that. I would that. do that. Um, but I think this leads me into something I need to get out in front of immediately. Quick. Costumes. <laughs> yes. Mama. Yeah. The costumes in this show. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I tried finding the costume designer, and I'm sorry, I couldn't find who it was. Uh-huh. But, oh, my <laughs> God. Everything in this show was so elaborate. Mm-hmm. And I think, particularly for a circus show like this, to design all these costumes with the knowledge they're going to be like flinging themselves through the air and blowing fire and yeah. sliding up and down poles and all over the place. I think the fact that they were so detailed and beautiful and looked so heavy duty is mm. really impressive. And they presumably had to get in and out of them so quickly. So much and so yeah. frequently. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, so shout out to the costumes straight away. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought they were really, really beautiful. Fantastic. So we wandered in. Yes. Move. I wonder. <laughs> uh, sat on down. Whereabouts were you sitting? I was like... So it's like the stage, it's like a classic proscenium stage, yep. and then there's a thrust protruding from the front of it. And so we were like three rows back from the front of the thrust. And they had like chairs on either side of the thrust. Yeah, as like well. the like splash side on either side. Yeah, yes. nice, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where okay. Were you? We were like, you know when you go down the aisle and there's that first split between the front bank of seats and the back bank of seats? Like where I was sitting for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yes. What a deep cut. That was a deep cut. <laughs> I get it though. Uh, we were like the front row of that uh, second bank of seats. Sure. Towards the back. Row, uh-huh. row like dig or something. Did you see people sitting up on those like... Like balconies beside the, the balconies, stage. Balconies, yes. Where, like ideal assassination zone. Oh my god, exactly. That's exactly where you would go if you were like a high-ranking, dare I say, president of the United States. That's where Lincoln would sit. That's where Lincoln would sit, and yeah. that's where he died, Jake. In the Athenaeum. In the watching Athenaeum the theater, watching. Uh, yes. Um. Yeah. No, we did. We had people sitting up on either side of the booths. Uh, one of them were like sitting. Some of them were like sitting in the audience and were like obviously approached by someone from the show and told to go up there. They got upgraded. Yeah. <laughs> to the it, Lincoln It looked seat. like they knew the staff. Okay. Like they seemed to have a friendly relationship. But yeah, they got moved up there and I thought that made it more fun and circusy and also elevated sort of your sort of view of what was going on, I feel like, uh-huh. which was appropriate because there was so much aerial stuff going on in this show it felt right to have people sitting higher up. Sure, okay. Yeah, I yeah. that. Thought that was cool. Beautiful. Would you like to sit in one of those booths? I don't think I would like to sit in one of those booths. Um, I think I'm into the booths. It's just something about the Athenaeum ones. They sort of point towards the audience in mm. a way. Um, and that makes me anxious. Also, it made me anxious thinking about that just because of how much I was paying attention to them pre-show. I'm glad <laughs> you said this because they distracted me the entire time. Before the show? During the show. Oh. Like I was watching the show and then I'd sort of see something happen and then the booth people would react and I'd sort of be like, oh, what are they, re- what are they looking at? Well, how are they reacting? What's this? 
and it sort of distracted me from oh, the show. You're so vulnerable to status, aren't you? I, uh, <laughs> and it made me think that. I was like, am I just looking at these people because they're literally sitting elevated? Yeah. It's is like, that all this does, is? What does the president think? Like, literally, that's what my brain was telling me. Well, so it's that's like just that something scene, about myself. It's Amadeus, isn't it? Where it's like, mm. it, 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 that's when Everyone they put looked the, at the emperor. Yeah, and yeah, if yeah, he's yeah. asleep, the show sucks. I played um, Emperor Joseph II in Amadeus when we did it in year 11 at high school. You did Amadeus in We year did it in year 12, when I was in year 12, yeah. There you go. There's my fun fact for you. I and wore a lot of lilac. How did they do the piano playing? They had him sit behind a little fake piano. And, and they just played, played piano. some piano. Oh. Yeah. The, I didn't realise that. Well, I did realise because I know it. <laughs> the, guy that played, <laughs> the guy that played Mozart learned all the piano. In what? In the, the movie? movie. Really? Did. I didn't know that. That's yep. interesting. Isn't it? There you go. Yeah, anyway. Back to this show though. <laughs> yes. Oracle. Oracle. So, 12 star signs. What about them? That's how the show works, Jay. <laughs> ah. So they have the so the, the premise the way they sort of split up the acts is they have twelve acts. And they <laughs> Yeah, go on. Yes. <laughs> and they're all um themed after one of the star signs. And they sort of go through and the whole show is presented as the Oracle, um, Jasmine Varlet, mm-hmm. who um is dressed as just like this beautiful all-seeing goddess. Uh-huh. Again, costumes are all stunning. So Jasmine, who is singing live for the whole show. Oh my god. What a, a voice! What a voice! We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. I'm, no, I'm going to explain the premise. Great. So Jasmine Viola is there as the oracle, sort of presenting the 12 different stories of how the star signs came to be. Mm. And so, like... None of which I'd heard before. No, none of which... None of which I'd... Some of which I'd heard. Okay. None of which I thought were, like, the origin of the star signs. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that the stories that the star signs were based on were, like... I don't know. I saw. I thought that was something different. But I guess it makes sense because, like, they must have come from somewhere. They must have. I just don't. I. I, I don't know why I assumed they were something less interesting and less ancient than these, than these stories are. Less I ancient. I don't. Maybe it was just because the setting of the show was like, was it Greek or Roman? Well, I think it was meant to be a little bit nebulous in terms of like, because they had like some of the stories were, like Egyptian. Some of them were, yeah, most of them were ancient Greek. Some of them were like Roman retellings. So. I think it was meant to be this sort of space where just gods and myths and legends exist. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't think Hercules had anything to do with star signs. Oh, I'm curious now to sort of look up and see how much of these, if they were all real or if they were just looking for like interesting stories. That I trust the thin. Oracle. <laughs> and that's your downfall. That's where I never get trust my... a god. No, that's a lesson Famously you Famously took... never trust a god. Why? Yeah. Have you met Zeus? Have you met the almighty Jesus? Yes. <laughs> he comes to me in my sleep. <laughs> Slaps me. Slaps me across the face. He lies constantly. <laughs> so? Yes. <laughs> um, yes, the 12 star signs. And then um, the show just continues on. So there's six in the first act, six in the second act. How there much? There is an interval. There is an interval, which I didn't expect. But didn't was really, expect. No, but really happy it was there. Same. Partly because I got to talk to Tom. That's nice. Everyone's hero. Fireman Tom. <laughs> what were you about to cut across and say? Uh, no, how much did you love the opening where it was like, I am Oracle. Okay, now. Well, and then like the curtain goes up. Is this what you're about to talk about? Yes, go on. The, like the curtain goes up and it's like, start every show this way. Curtain ascends and the whole cast is standing there in silhouette mm. with this voice over the top and this like underscore of music and mm. it's like, hi fuckers. Oh my God. Ready to have your Incredible opening. Incredible yeah. opening. I will say... Mm-hmm, go ahead. There was an element of... Because the start of it was like... Rather than the... Here's something. Uh-huh. What did you think of the sexy Welcome to Country? The se- what was the... Se- I think- the Oracle voiceover did the Welcome to Country, but it was all done like... 
We recognize. Was it just a sexy voice? It was a sexy voice doing the Welcome to Country, which I which neither here nor there. But is... they didn't change the words or anything, did they? No, they didn't. But it was done orgasmically, which I thought of. I, I think it. Of, well, I think it was just like a valid cadence, you know. Yeah, no, it, it made sense for the oracle to do it. I just. It, for a brief moment was a little bit up. Oh, is okay. this tasteless? Yeah. Yes. And then I decided <laughs> it's fine. But like... Yeah. And I guess it's also certainly not our place to decide that. No. <laughs> it's not really about us. No. Um, yeah. So that was just funny. But then the opening, I thought... Yes. Because that, that voiceover then sort of said, make sure you make some noise and clap for the performers. Like, yeah, of course. Yes. But then the opening sort of made it feel to me. And yeah. I sort of chatted with Olivia and we sort of had this discussion. Did you feel... It was suddenly presented so seriously and like we are here to present these stories that mm. it sort of made me feel weird to clap and make noise. Okay. And I think some of the audience felt that because there was a lot of... And I, I, I guess I'll just dive into this. Go. I feel like, and this is on me, I don't know what should look good in a circus. What? <laughs> so, so it occurred to me during one of the first acts, which was Gemini, mm. which is like an aerialist act between two sexy brothers. And there were moments where they would do like a wonderful pose. They would do something that was obviously very difficult, but the audience would sort of be silent. And then they would sort of clap a bit delayed, like, oh, they're stopping there. So that's clearly where we're meant to clap. And it occurred to me, I like, it's obvious that what they're doing is very difficult and amazing and incredible. But as someone who has never studied circus arts, mm -hmm. It's one of your biggest faults. It's one of my one of my biggest downfalls. I don't know what is an impressive thing to do in those sort of situations. Like, it all is difficult to me. One of the things that I enjoyed talking to Connor about when he was on and we were talking about gods, the sexy god circus, oh. was the thing of like, when you're watching circus, you get accustomed to being impressed to the point, like, and at a really rapid pace as well. Yeah. Like, you get so accustomed to seeing people doing impossible things that you come to be like, yeah, good job. Yes. You're upside down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is unfair, absolutely. Because it's all impossible stuff that neither of us could dream of It's doing. all impossible. But it's it's like, incredible. But that's why I come back to, and this is a thing that I realised while watching Gods, and felt during Oracle as well. It's like, I, my fantasy is seeing a circus where the expectation is that we just shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes. And we just sit there and just marvel at how splendid everything is. Yes. And I get that performers... In, I'd say most performing arts really appreciate hearing how the audience is feeling and I get that that's useful for them mm. but me as a yeah I just wish I, we, we were almost instructed to be fucking quiet and just watch this like things be incredible yep I love tell you what I love go ahead I love a pair of people in the air and this show satisfied that need <laughs> you're a simple man I'm a simple man <laughs> like there were maybe like three or four acts so many aerialist acts yeah well it's a circus it's a circus <laughs> What's your favourite sort of circus performance to see and was that represented in this show? <laughs> Surprising nobody, my favourite performance... Tumbling. ...was the Gemini Brothers. Of course it was. Not just... but I, I didn't realise... I think for some reason I still didn't know the show was about star signs because I think it was Gemini first... No, Libra was first. My star sign was first. Yeah. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah, the woman that started it off. Kiva Skivart. Yes. Who was like this sort of... Oh, yeah. The Egyptian took mummy off. being like... Yeah, and they yes. took her heart out and weighed it with beautiful. the feather with Adam Malone behind them with the scales, which was Libra. But then I didn't pick up on it until after the fact. Mm. Like, that was Libra. Right. I, was, uh, I felt like a stupid moron. Oh, great. No, I still... Even then was like, well, I don't know what this show is. And then it kept going. And mm. then I saw these brothers perform. And it wasn't until they were like, and that's Gemini. It was like, oh, we're doing a, like a star sign We're doing sign a star sign. Yes. No. Gemini. 
I thought that, yeah. they were so in ways that were similar to those like tumbling Italians from yes. that circus I saw before. Um, I just because what are the names of the Reed Kelly and Jack Dawson? Yes, Flippin and Toil, who apparently do a, like they perform together a lot elsewhere. It looks like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought it was breathtaking. It was like that was the one time I cried during the show. Oh. Was dr- just seeing the way that they looked at each other. And while the way that they, they trust each other. Well, the way that they were just like spinning around on these straps, going up and down, looking into each other's eyes, like holding one another's like occipital protuberances with their legs. Jake's was, studying the human body. I just, just the way they just hung onto each other and looked at each other's faces and the story that they were telling of like two brothers that couldn't bear to live without each other and one was immortal and one wasn't and they just yeah, a sad story. didn't want to be apart. It was just so fucking Nice. Um, and yeah, again, as you're mockingly saying, the way that they trusted each other mm-hmm. so much and just the intimacy. And it was just like, it was balletic in the way that it conveyed so much about human emotion through the yeah. body. It was just breathtaking. I mean, but all these performers were incredible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like all of them also were able to sort of embody a lot of emotion outside of just like doing the circus bit. Mm-hmm. Like I think particularly you're right, the Gemini brothers were really good at sort of getting uh, that across. Yes. Um... My personal favourite... Go ahead. Which I'm going to tell you, uh, was Sagittarius. I had to find the star sign. Sagittarius? What's the Sagittarius star sign symbol? Is that like the... Isn't it a man thorn with a... Something? Yeah, like a, like a half goat guy with a bow and arrow. Is that Sagittarius? I think that's Sagittarius. Yeah. Um, but that was... I th- pr- now, I t- we've tried to find the names of these performers. Yes. But there were one or two that haven't been tagged. But I've done some deep digging. I'm pretty sure Danny Golding okay. was Sagittarius. Pole dancer. Mm-hmm. And... Not just a pole dancer, but like an incredibly charming and immediately captivating pole dancer that got the entire audience on side. Uh-huh. And then pole dancers from a pole that's hanging from the ceiling. A and sky pole! A sky pole! <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. That blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Just swinging around from the ceiling on a pole. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. Being that's for flags. It's for flags. Or um, something else that rhymes with flags. Are you about to... James. <laughs> what? We can reclaim that. Tells. Um, least favourite? Crab. What? <laughs> I'm... Who even said you needed to have a least favourite? No, no, no. And let me explain why. I thought... <laughs> let, me, let me explain why. It's not why you think. Cancer. Um, Soliana was the performer. Contortionist. I want to go, go ahead and say incredible. Mm-hmm. The things that this performer does is mind-blowing and, like, took my my brain, like, five or six seconds to sort of catch up to what she was actually doing. Yeah. Didn't need the crunching crab noises every time she bent her body away that it shouldn't bend. <laughs> genius, though. Oh, my God, genius. <laughs> One of the most... Inti- the smartest decisions I think they made in that entire show. Was to have a contortionist to doing movements to the sound of crab crunching. Yes! <laughs> because it made Olivia Clark and I... Rev- like, just... Gee, oh, vile. Like, I, my brain had to take a moment just to sort of get back on page with my body because I was just so distracted by the, the crunchy bendy lady. Oh, God. I d- didn't hate it. I just hated the fact that it was so crunchy because it got into my brain. I think that's testament to the performer, testament to the design, testament to all of it. Well made, but oh boy, did it work too well for me. 
What do, what did you think of the crab? Because that's the one I really wanted to talk to you about. I like any time that people use long blue fabric to convey the sea. <gasps> Watching those people be mermaids with their little, oh, like, little tails flopping around. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And the big blue. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm. I love that. I love I love the crab claws. I thought uh-huh. that was a fun little addition. Yes. And her murdering the squid. Yes. I thought was cool. One of the things I also quite liked was Scorpio, uh, who Mim Wheeler is the performer's name, was okay. another aerialist. Yeah. One of the ribbon... That's one that I always just find so magical. I think that might be one of my favourite type of performances, is the ribbon aerialist. Like, like well, because you're a pink fan. Because I'm, I'm... Oh, God, you're right. I am a pink fan. Maybe that's what it was. But, like, the way they sort of, like, wrap their feet around in the ribbon, they have nothing supporting them, and then they sort of drop, and everyone goes, oh! I think it's always fun. <laughs> um, but the way they introduced that character was they had sort of, like, the... Uh, one of the backup dancers... One of the... Not backup dancers. One of the supporting... Uh, actors, Alfie Delia mm-hmm. was, came on as like this sort of sexy oaf of a man as they were sort of introducing Scorpio and so I, I assumed it was going to be him doing some stuff and then out of the blue comes Scorpio and she just kills him and then just starts doing her thing and I thought that was just a fun little uh, 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 subversion of expectations. Uh-huh. <laughs> what did you think of that, Jake? Um, yes, which is a good chance for us to talk about Alfie Delia. I'm going to pronounce it Delia so we can cover both bases. Yes, smart. Of... I'll say Delia, you'll say Delia. Yes, Great. Alfie Delia. I thought uh, I was remarkable. Was like mm. a dancer and a mover and a performer in a bunch of the different scenes. Yeah. Um, uh, and I just... <laughs> it was the sort of performance where I knew... As I was watching him perform, I was like, I'm going to be talking about this in the yes. future because of and I, he did really well and it was the first time I had a real chance to like iron out my thoughts surrounding this phenomenon that I'm sure we're all familiar with where it's like dancer face and like mm. dancer attitude mm. um, and it's a thing since my rock is dead for days that I've been trying to sort of like understand in almost like a subconscious way mm-hmm. so this was a chance to finally kind of like pin it down and be like what is it? <laughs> Go on so, did you? So on top of obviously yeah, Alfie being an incredible dancer and having remarkable stage presence. That thing, and you might have to help me describe what it is, mm. but it's like the face and the personality of dance when it's like, and the best I can come up with is having to sort of invent this scenario that hangs around it. Of like, it seems almost as if Jesus has been like, <laughs> okay. look, <laughs> dance is forbidden. And if you keep dancing, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and you dance. And, and then the person is like, well, I'm going to do one last dance. And I know that you think dance is garbage, but I'm going to show you how good it can be, how good I am at dancing, and that I don't care that you're going to kill me afterwards. That is 100% the way that Alfie looked. Yeah? Yeah. No, you've nailed it. Right? And it's the same as, like, you know, do you ever spend any time, I sometimes fall into these, like, YouTube rabbit holes of, like, dance schools will release like, compilation videos of their students dancing to the same like, yes. R&B song. Yes, and they always have that look. They And they have that yeah. look of like, I don't care, Jesus, watch me dance one last time. Oh my God, that that is a really good description of what that vibe is. I'm glad is you that think sort so. Of like, it almost even is has that sort of like, holy feel to it as well. <laughs> like yeah. that sort of like, I know what I'm doing and I'm here to do it for you. Yes, because it's yeah. like there is rage in it somewhere. Yes, there's But definitely. also dancing that well is so difficult. Mm. It requires a level of ability and passion and focus yeah. that you can't... You Yeah, it's not as if you're... You just, have to make the conscious choice to do that. Yeah, you can't nice. just be flippantly nailing these dance mm. moves. So it's and like... And was nailing these dance moves. So great. Oh and apparently God. there's a dance teacher nearby somewhere. Oh, yeah. there you go. But that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, makes, he should be teaching. He's should fantastic. He should be teaching, passing on the talent. 
Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that, that's my dance analysis for the week. <laughs> that's good. We'll tune in next week to hear more. Yeah. So I played a game during the interval with Olivia Clark where uh-huh. we tried to guess. So we'd, we'd had the first six star signs. Yes. And then we, had, we knew we had six more to go. Yeah. So we picked out the ones that were left and we sort of tried to guess what some of the stories would be okay. to accompany them. Yes. I guessed Hercules correctly. Okay. I was very proud of that one. Hercules being Leo because okay. he fought a lion. Right. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure if Betty Bombshell, who was the performer for Leo, yes, um, I'm not sure if Betty Bombshell was Hercules or the Lion. Yeah, but the way she sort of embodied that character, she was a fire. It seemed like she was almost her? the fight. Like, well, exactly. She sort of embodied that sort of fury that I'd be happy believing it either way. Sure. Like she could have been Hercules. She could have been the Lion. I have a feeling she was meant to be Hercules. Okay. Um, but fire, flame. Flame eating, flame spitting. Her arms were on fire. Her a arms lot. were on fire, and then she brings out the whips. Yes, and I find it interesting. There's always like, why is that the combination? Because it's it seems to be fire people always have fun with whips as well. Okay, like, just from from my experience. Sure. Okay. Um, and I wonder if it comes from like. Do they learn that on the same day at circus well, school? Yeah, I wonder if it comes from like, this is like the lion taming thing. This is what we do. We scare them with fire and whips. Okay. What do you think about that, Jake? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? No, I've never thought of the two of them as being a combined thing at all, but I trust that you've experienced it before. Yeah, I have. Sure. Um, Yeah, I I also thought Betty Momshell was one of the, for me personally, one of the most strongest presences on stage. Because she entered and was like, oh, okay, she's here. Uh (laughs) I thought that was was so great. I'm going to quickly touch on how good I I really enjoyed their cover of My Immortal by Evanescence. We haven't even spoken about the music. I thought that was really great. I thought every choice they made for a song was perfect. My Immortal, perfect choice. Oh my God. God. For for like a, a, a sexy, mythical, spooky circus show. Evanescence. Oh, Bring him was, in. It was, oh my God, the, sh- the show was so hot, mm. so spooky. Spooky? Sp- a little bit spooky. You always had a ghosty it thing about it. spooky vibe. Yeah. Oh my God, fuck. And I also, I liked the way that they like wrapped up nicely, like sort of like the point of the show at the end mm. when Oracle was mm. like, use these stories to better understand yourself and yeah. others. Yes, there was a bit of that. I quite yeah. liked that. I liked it a lot. Yeah, because it... Because it even mm. like it, it it provides something for even the people that don't give a fuck about astrology. It's even yeah. just the thing of like, here are these stories, and if you treat them as stories, it's like all these tales are kind of about love and people and connection and kind of like a bit about history and a bit about the fact of humans having existed for like in the span of things not very long, but in terms yeah. of like human history, they are all of human history yeah. is people. Yeah. And throughout it there have been these grand loves and betrayals and murders. And and mm. because we are still we are people now just as capable of what these people did as well to mm. some extent, um, I yeah, think that, no that applies a lens that removes it from having to believe that that you know that that Venus has anything to do with your emotions. Yeah, it's less about the story, more about the well, it's more about the story and less about the the the, the, the magic of the moon, which I think makes it a bit more universal. Yeah, I get they just I just wanted to hammer home they did so much in this show. Like we haven't even spoken about like. Uh, is Adam Malone? Adam Malone, the the hula hooper, spinning hula hoops around. <laughs> I don't know what you call that. I don't think you call them hula hoops when it's on on stage. What do you would you call them like hula hoops? I've, I've never heard them called anything else. Okay, I guess they're hula hoops. Like, but I guess were they hula hoops? You know how back in like the old days, boys would run down the street poking a hula hoop. Oh yeah, yeah, like 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 with a little like almost curling but upside down. 
curling upside down. You know, curling, like the you sort of slide your thing along the... Uh, we're not getting into this. We're, but instead of like that weird weight they use in curling, you, you use a hula hoop. Yeah, exactly. And you're poking it forward instead of rubbing the ground in front of it. You see how that's upside down? Do you see how... What? <laughs> uh, we didn't even speak about Natalia Alessi, who was doing the ballet dance. The, I, I think anytime anyone does anything on point... Yeah. I just... That's in itself is a human-defying monstrosity that I love. Sure, yeah. That is not comfy on the toes. No, no, I imagine it is not. Centre stage taught me that, and then Black Swan hammered at home. (laughs) (laughs) I guess my point is, like, they just did so much in this show, and I'm very glad that I saw it, Mm. and I think I'll go and see the next thing that the best... Johnny saw it twice. Johnny saw it twice. And wanted to go a third time. He he was like... He had the awakening of, like... I love circus. <laughs> I think this is my like style of theatre. Yeah, this wow. show rattled that British man. It's it really changed his world. Yeah, great. Yeah, good. Well, it clearly resonated with a lot of people. People were walking out really like just shocked mm. and amazed. Yeah, and I, I see why. Yeah, they really achieved something absurdly wonderful. Yeah, Oracle. Oh, I thought I'd have a pun ready, but my brain didn't get into gear. Are you gonna rhyme Oracle with something? Boracle. Hmm. Okay, we'll always leave them laughing. <laughs> I think you just ended after Barkle. I think that's funny. Hi! <laughs> I'm Beavis! I don't like Beavis. I don't like Beavis. Hey, where's Butthead? Oh, Did you ever watch that show? I never saw a single episode. No, neither have I. I just, they didn't seem like they'd be people that would be friends with me. Wasn't Daria a spin-off from Beavis and Butthead? It's a whole different cartoon style, isn't it? But, but, but Did Daria... Was she friends with Beavis and Butthead? I think so. You aren't reaching for your phone to check yeah, this, are you? Yeah, you better believe I'm doing this. Oh, God. Okay, well, while James Googles that, place your bets. Do you think Daria came out of Beavis and Butthead? I think maybe they were just on at a similar time? Like, on, in terms of, like, free-to-air television scheduling? Like, were they just after each other on MTV? Daria is a fictional character from the MTV animated series Beavis and Butthead, and its spin-off Daria. Wow. There you go. Okay. I'm glad I know that. Did you go to the theatre? Did I go to the theatre? Mm. Once or twice. Oh, cool. Why? Let's talk about it. Okay, well, oh, for example... Go on. <laughs> I went to the Bluestone Church Art Space. Ah, yes. A venue that I adore. Yes. Which I mean sincerely, no, but I don't do. know how to have that tone in my voice. But, yes, yeah, so good. Went with Handsome Henry. Yes. And, yeah, we went and we sat, ran into Julia Gasparini... Always lovely to see her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sat next to her in the front row of Thrive. So we went to see Thrive, which is a show that Chaney Caddy has been working on for like two years now. Wow. And it's a verbatim piece. Full disclosure, Connor Dariol is in it. Uh, Connor. Friend right. of the pod. Yeah. Uh, ah, yeah. That is go. the name of his podcast. And he's a man that I famously adore. And yeah. So yeah, we went. And so it's... All I kind of knew about it going in was like the sparing things that Connor had informed me of about the show during his rehearsal of it. And, yeah, so I went in just knowing that it was going to be verbatim Mm. and made a bunch of assumptions and then, yeah, and then saw the show. I guess one of my assumptions markedly was going in expecting it to be like, for some reason, verbatim always makes me expect a level of kind of like, I feel like I'm going to leave emotionally drained Mm -hmm. and I feel like there's going to be like long patches of boredom. (laughs) Yep, that's fair enough. Is that fair enough? I think so, because that's what like actual dialogue between real human beings is. 
It's emotionally draining and it's more boring than you think it's going to be. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. And I guess too, I think I also wasn't ready for it to function the way it did. And I was really grateful for the way that it was like quite masterfully put together in right. a way to make it a very dynamic, engaging piece of theatre. Because um, for anyone that doesn't know, verbatim is when you like take the exact thing that a person said and turn it into a live performance. Mm. And so what it seems that they have done is they interviewed, uh, like the, the makers of this piece interviewed a bunch of older queer people, like people from sort of like... 20 through to I think the oldest was around 90 mm. and um, just interviewed them about their life of like being queer. Yeah, wow. And then they took content from these interviews and turned it into the script that these actors then performed. Great. And then wove the stories. So it's almost like from these interviews that all happened separately, they kind of stitched them together performatively so that the whole cast was pretty much on stage the entire time in what looked a bit like Kind of like the sort of dining room, living room of kind of like a really old, almost falling apart house in the bush. Like there was like corrugated iron and like a sure. wooden sort of fireplace thing and like a nice little table to have tea on. Great. Um, and yeah, everyone, all the actors inhabited this space while they sort of listened to each other talking about their lives in this sort of friendly, sort of liminal way mm. that it was like listening, observing, telling parallel stories and just bouncing between them. And it and it, it was done in such a way that it, it, it added pace and each story seemed to fuel the others. There were moments where we watched footage of the interviews themselves like projected onto the sheet at the back of the stage. That sounds great. Yeah, and it didn't get bogged down in like sentiment or... Um, yeah, yeah just, it just... It kept moving and it kept being interesting and surprising... And all of these performers, like, it was such a strong cast. All of these performers, like, very distinct from each other, which is maybe just a lame thing to say. Um, there were five people in the cast. Mm. And, and yeah, and they were just really... I was especially taken by, um, yeah, by Aspen Beelhearts, I thought, who played Julie Peters. Mm. Um, just, uh, Aspen just has this elegance and, like, poise and, I don't know, and uh, the, the voice... It's just, um, yeah, I got a great voice, really, really wonderful speaking voice. And I don't know because they're playing Julie Peters, of whom I know very little, um, nor more now, having learned so much about Julie's life via Aspen and this piece. Terrific. Um, but, but yeah, Aspen managed to convey this, what, what read to me at least, like the elegance of kind of like an older woman, um, being kind of like proud of and a bit kind of like but also very, like, warmly generous with the story that was getting told. Hmm. Um, God, that sounds so nice. The whole thing was so nice. Like, like it was such a pleasant experience. Super pleasant and super, like, just the whole thing felt really warm and impressive, and mm. it was great to see these stories happen alongside each other. Um, and, 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 and one of the things that um, came up in a couple of the stories of the stories that were being told by people was this desire for people to... And it was touched on by especially by sort of the character that Izzy was playing and that Connor was playing, but it was kind of like a across the board thing of this desire from like from the voices of these queer people, the, the wanting for there to be a place where queer people can go and feel safe and included and something about the queer experience generating a community where people can feel part of things. Which is how it should work. Absolutely, yeah. The idea of, yeah, if, if, if this many people feel othered, then there should be a place for all of them to feel together, mm. you know? Um, yeah, and, and the idea that maybe, like, a contemporary version of that is stuff like the Midsummer Festival or 
uh, like the Midsummer Carnival, mm. or even things like going to Yaya's on Thursdays. Yeah. Like the idea of those things happening, which, yeah, of course made me <laughs> sort of miserably reflect on the way that, uh, I don't know, the way that I feel or relate to the idea of being part of the queer community, that sort of thing. Sure, in what way do you mean? Just in the way of, like, thinking about that, like, the idea of, like, the extent to which, and I think it's a thing that I, I don't know, I feel like I end up in a conversation about it, like, once every three months, the idea yes. of how, what I feel like my place is personally in the wider queer community, um, just as a person, um, how how I end up feeling any time that I'm sort of, like, engaged in anything that feels like it's part of the queer community. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was a real chance to sort of re- reflect on that and also a place where I find a lot of comfort when thinking about my own queerness and people that are queer around me. I find a lot of comfort in looking back, as this show was a great example of looking back at the history of especially Australian queerness um, and finding comfort and community in just the understanding of the history that's taken place before contemporary gayness. Totally. yeah brings me a lot of comfort, especially in, like, you know, lonelier moments of feeling like you aren't being queer correctly or being... Does it make you feel comfortable because these things have existed for a long time and will continue to exist? Or is it more of, like, you see yourself in some people from the past in the queer community? What is it that brings you comfort? I think it's the knowledge that if we got here Mm. from what we've come from, just the... Like, I don't know, having to believe that, like, I believe that there's inherent beauty in the fact of a queer community existing in the first place. Yep. And I guess just must believe that it's always going to be heading. It's always going to be kind of like what its community requires it to be. And I think it's only going to be a community because of its necessity. And I think that necessity stops squeezing your eye. Beautiful. I think. Yeah. That feels like a good place to draw comfort from. And that's why I feel like the queer community should exist. Sure, I'm glad. <laughs> I think it should exist. <laughs> Listen to me. Well, I've heard people say, and I've <clears throat> had like a brief conversation with Connor about it, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. But what mm. do you think about the idea that the goal of the queer community is for there to no longer need to be a queer community? I think that's ridiculous. You think that's ridiculous? I think that's ridiculous. Because, of course, the other side of... Like, yeah, the, to say... Like, yes I get to that, where that's coming from. Totally, yes. And it took me... Because I agree with you immediately as well. Mm. The idea that it's a, there's only a queer community because the, the world is... At least our world is like a heteropatriarchy. Yeah. And if, if we head in the right direction, the queer community won't be required because everyone will feel embraced. Yeah, but I feel like that's the same sort of argument as, like... I don't know. Like, any sort of merging of cultures. It, it, there should always be some sort of place for people to... Because there's always going to be younger people that are going to feel outcast because of the way they are. There's always going to be young people who feel confused by what they're feeling. And to have like a community of people who have been through that, who know what that's all about and are able to help those young people, I think is really important. Whether, you're, whether it's a queer community or whether it's a cultural community or whether it's like a, I don't know. Like, I think it's important to have always. Yeah. Um, and I think to sort of argue that we should get to a place where we don't need that sort of inherently means that I don't know, for any sort of diverse group should be uh, should be arguing that they should be working to a world where they don't need to have their own singular cultural identity and group. Mm. And I think that's a dangerous sort of conversation to even sort of entertain. Yeah, because it is kind of like the essence of that assimilation idea. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, wanting to water down the And unique. also, why should we try and be more like straight people? Because that's what that sort of sounds like it's suggesting. Yeah, I... I guess to, th- there's a thought that, like, 
as I was sort of just ramblingly kind of talking about the idea of the community becoming whatever it needs to become, there's also something, and I, I don't know, do you ever give much thought to like what the plus sign in LGBTQIA plus is meant to represent? I'm not really just because I know it's meant to represent sort of like whatever you need it to represent. And I it's think, the plus sign of requirement. Sure, sure. You Harry you, Potter. You Hogwarts turf. nerd. Yeah, that's it. You've got to sneak turf yeah, in there. Yeah, really quickly fix that Just one. to be, yeah, <laughs> clear that we're anti-turf. Yeah, well, the, the, like, potentially that plus opening the commu- community itself up to this idea of, like, whatever it... Because this community continues to evolve. Mm. And assuming that the the theory of the goal of that community to be one of assimilation and depletion and, you know, superfluousness. Yeah. Um, instead, embracing the idea that that plus sign is kind of inviting whatever is, whatever the next, I don't know, style of individual... What, yeah, whatever the next thing to of, emerge. Because it's not as if everyone in the LGBTQIA plus community is united necessarily by, like, a, a style of sex no. or like a or a particular taste like it's as, as we, earlier in this episode talking about how gays and les like gay men and lesbians have so little in common in mm-hmm. so many ways but they are still clumped together in this in the same tent. community yeah. yeah um i don't know so maybe that's something i don't know um, but i think it's important to have works of theater and especially verbatim things like this that can act as not necessarily time capsules i guess but like sort of milestones sort of for young queer people to orient themselves, I think, to have queer, I guess, queer elders, Mm. words sort of immortalised in a piece of work, I think is always a good thing. Yeah. And I think is an important, is is a sign that this queer community is necessary. Mm. Because otherwise that sort of theatre wouldn't exist. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like a great show is what I'm saying. Oh, fantastic. And felt like, yeah, felt important and substantial while it was happening. Absolutely. And it also brought together in the audience, like a very diverse crowd of people that it, that mm. it and you could even see like the way that people were responding to the stories that were getting told. Like it, you could feel these, like the things that like, could ripple through the audience and like hit people in different ways. And that was part of what was so exciting about it. And again, part of like, what's so great about having all these diverse people in this one community and having something like Midsummer for them all to celebrate things together. Like you, you get to witness things matter to different people that yeah. you might not, even though you belong to this like collective minority together, you get to really experience them care about a thing that you only sort of like heard that they cared about. Mm. And also you experience the thing of like this wide diverse group of people all experiencing the same thing that you may not have even thought about. For sure, It's like yes. something that ripples through and it's like, oh, we all do that. Yeah. I think that's, that for me is always special when that happens. Yeah? Yeah, just like, I don't know, sitting in like a group of like, yeah, like, older queer women or like people of colour and stuff like diverse groups of people that aren't me and then someone says a joke on stage that is about like the way you navigate life as a queer person and everyone connects with that yeah. I think it's such a nice oh yeah we are all in this boat together sometimes yeah. I think it's that's comforting yeah I agree there was uh, this concept that cropped up which if we talk too much about it, it will just sound sad, but a, a, mm-hmm. an interesting, I guess almost like a medical term that I'd never heard before of chronic suicide, Ooh. which is like behavior that is, it could lead to your death and you just keep doing the behavior kind of 
inherently embracing the idea that it might kill you. Like alcoholism or like drugs? Anything that's kind of self-destructive. Sure. And like the example that was in, yeah, in the story getting told was like irresponsibly driving, you know, like drink driving mm, a bunch. Okay, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, suicide. Yeah, that's and that being, term. yeah, obviously tied to, you know, a lot of mental darkness. Yes, quack, quack. quack. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I was really grateful for that I'm sure would have made the cast anxious was uh, after every show, they did a, like a, like a Q&A forum afterwards. Oh, wow. Every show. Every single show. Jesus. <laughs> I know. A lot of questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, which I was grateful for because like a lot of really interesting stuff got said. I asked a question. What did you ask? Which is not a thing not that like I you at all. ever do. Ever, ever. What did you ask? I love a forum. I just want that said. I love a post-show forum. Yes. Always. Irrespective of you, how the cast feels. You're forum, are you? I'm forum. Are you against them or forum? I'm forum. I'm for a forum. <laughs> um, I asked... <laughs> Ignore my laugh. I will not. <laughs> I asked her the question of if you... Do these pants make me look big? <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> Be no, I can take it. <laughs> I promise. I asked that um, with them taking on these stories and hearing these p- people's lives turned into these stories, has it made the actors reflect differently on the way that their lives are also stories? Oh, that's a good question, Jay. Did you get any good answers? Uh, oh yeah, they were fine. They're all bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I thought a, a highlight of asking the question was not just overcoming my fear of asking questions. Yes, well done. But also, the woman behind me was like, "I was going to ask that," <gasps> and then we high fived. <laughs> oh. I hate high fives. The high five went badly, but I'm glad I had that moment of connection. That's, there you go. That's queer people connecting. That's there queer people connecting. Great. Um, yes. Do you have an answer to that question? Obviously, you were not just Could in a verbatim show. One more time for me. Now, in this moment, reflecting on Thrive existing as a piece of theatre and it being constructed of queer people telling their life stories Mm. and that being turned into stories Mm. and a piece of theatre, reflecting on that as a concept, you now looking to your life as being like a big old bank of tales, what, what immediately surfaces inside of you when you consider that your life will one day... If Cheney approaches you, <laughs> could actually become like a diarized account of the story of James. It feels correct. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, well, I've been reading um, Homo Deus recently, uh-huh. which is like the sequel to Sapiens uh-huh. by Yuval Harari, I think it is. Um, and like a lot of that is like the discussion of the shared stories that we sort of use to sort of center ourselves as a species of human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I'm, I'm, it's like, if you ask me right now, I'm, it makes sense. Like that we are just collections of stories and that's really the only thing that makes us sentient human beings. Cause otherwise we're just animals without stories, you know? Sure. Okay. Like stories are how you sort of navigate your life. Like the stories of money, the stories of banks, the stories of politics, like all these things are the only things that make us, mm. I guess, quote-unquote, civilized. Sure. And um, I guess it's how we construct our idea of what the world is. Exactly, exactly. Like, the stories of the stars, the stories of what science is, the stories of medicine, like, all these things that we sort of weave into one cohesive tapestry of a civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it makes sense that in that you are just threads of a story. Like, that makes sense to me. And when you wake up every day, like, you, if you're going to continue to be the person you consider yourself to be, that person is just constructed of things you've heard about yourself and things you tell yourself about the things you've done. Exactly. And a lot of it is just continuing to do those things... Because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And that's what has been told about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying it's easy to just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to fix everything that is in my life that I don't like. God, I wish you could, though. <laughs> I thought it was like a credit to the whole thing of it being such an exercise in like one of the greatest forms of empathy that you could possibly provide the world with. 
You know, the idea of like, even look at the generous act of performing and making theatre in the first place, mm. but to also additionally surrender so much of yourself to a real existing person, fill yourself up with the language of their mouths mm. and the history of their stories, and then provide like the skills that you have as a performer, as a theatre maker, get on stage, do it. Like that, that mm. exercise in empathy is one that I think is just like it needs to be like super applauded and is just a real credit to like not just like the craft of acting and of theatre but of just like the human experience as well like for this collection and the way of people stories yes yeah and for this collection of people to come together and have created this piece of art out of the value of empathy and of like listening to people and yeah I just think it's just crazy beautiful yeah it sounds like it's thriving. Yeah, that's an incredible thing. So to wrap it up on that one note. <laughs> I think we've got it. Um, you know, just as like, and then <laughs> I also just uh, want to say that um, Izzy Weisskopf telling like this story of Kay, um, who's like a lesbian teacher, <laughs> as in she teaches lesbian things, or she's a lesbian who is a teacher, a lesbian who's a teacher, and sort of like telling this story of kids defending her being a lesbian mm. and her wanting be to be able to be seen as being a lesbian that is happy. Yeah, being a right. lesbian in front of them just so they have an example of one that is because they also talk in the show as well they briefly touch on this topic which is close to both of us as well of like and again not a thing that I'm super aware of being that I as I keep asserting I'm not a lesbian but this apparent trope that really exists especially in movies of like the 80s and 90s I believe is what they were talking about but maybe a bit earlier as well of if a lesbian's in a movie they're going to get murdered yeah 100% yeah, yeah, yep, yep. That's, but that's also true of all queer characters Sure. But especially lesbians. They just be... Lesbians be dying on screen. Right. Yep. Uh, Willow's girlfriend in Buffy mm-hmm. died. Was That's one of the first big ones that I can remember. Okay. But yeah, like, it's just always the case. What, what was the, What were they saying about it? Just that... Th- it's bad. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. That is bad. It's like, that's the one version of yourself that you have to see on screen. Getting killed over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like this, yeah, this desire to... Because we want to see ourselves mirrored back, mirrored back in our lives and mirrored back in media. And especially if you don't have anyone around you that seems anything like you. Mm. The only example you have of people that have this thing inside of you, especially if it's a thing that, a thing that you're afraid of, to be taught by media that it, that you deserve to be murdered. Yes. <laughs> Narratively speaking, like, I feel like that damage is so complicated. Totally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That girl from the 300, she was a lesbian she died? No. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you should have stepped in. Well, I wasn't on that planet. <laughs> and just the last thing that I... I they, um, a, f- a couple of the characters were trans. And I just want to... Yeah, I know I've been talking about this show for a while, but it was just very impressive. Hmm. But um, I've never heard transness being explained, or at least an element of transness worded in the way of, like, part of the desire to transition... Or, or, or to change your identity or your, your whatever it is that you're changing in your particular trans journey. Mm. The idea, to, like the, the desire to be the person who would get treated the way you want society to treat you. Yeah, right. Okay. Right? Like yeah. The, I've never heard the, the, the trans impetus described that way of being like you want to, like there's a way that you desire and you think it is correct for society to treat you and therefore you go about becoming the type of person that gets treated the way that for whatever reason you believe you should organically be getting treated by that society and that being something that yeah, is, is your transness yeah that's more about the okay mm. I guess maybe I don't understand what you're saying to me I think I'm still getting my head around it as well mm. but, but yeah. it's great that it made you think differently about something well yeah yeah just yeah it's just that thing of yeah 
you hear a story of someone that isn't a heap like you and then you yeah and then you suddenly your brain's full of it yeah because I don't know yeah like you, you, you of course you understand hopefully <laughs> intellectually that everyone as similar as we are there are so many different ways to be a person um, yeah, but every now and again, I feel, I feel, every now and again, I sort of think about that and it blows my mind. Like, there are just people out there with fully different lives. And mm. I just have the most simple sort of, that's real. Mm. Like, they don't think like I do. They don't talk like I do. They being anyone who isn't me. Sure. I just think that's so, it, and every now and again, it just sort of surface, dawns on me like, that's weird. And it's why we need stories. It's why we need stories! Uh, yes. The show was great. It was really moving. And the cast was so fantastic. Mm. And of course, Connor... Is mind blowing. He's really fantastic. Good on you, Connor. Um, oh my god! And uh, sorry, Cheney also said this wonderful thing about like once she received the stories in Thrive. I'm still talking about <laughs> with the moment she because she was gonna like re- like get a bunch of stories from people and then choose them. But then she said that the, in the Q and A afterwards, she was like the the moment that she received these stories from people, she felt the responsibility to honor the stories. Right. And I just thought that was a beautiful. So she just sort of took the first five, or yeah, yeah, that, that's like, great. Yeah, which again. Empathy. Yeah. Compassion. It's beautiful. Anyway, I'm hoping, yeah, and the, the show is hopefully going to have, like, it's going to, like, evolve and change and travel and grow. And, um, Great. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what it turns into and how people respond to it. Thrive! It, thrive. It matters. It's cool. Great. Well, here we are here again. Here we are again. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, done for the day. Yes. Um, what are we doing now, Jake? Um, what do you mean now? What? We're at what? The episode's done. Yeah. So <laughs> and what are we, what are we doing? doing? What, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you doing for the rest of the day, Jake? Oh, I, I don't know. Oh, I think I'm going to the... What is it? The... What's it called? Victoria's Pride. Victoria's Pride. Yeah. Pride. Yeah. Victoria's Pride. We're going to that, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, good. Yes. You don't need to act scared. It's I'm, okay. I, you know I'm scared. Yeah, I can tell really clearly. <laughs> We're going to go to Victoria's Pride, everybody. We'll see you there. We'll be walking around. Yep. We'll be wearing a big sign that says, Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Yes. Praise him. Um, I hope your day's going well. Whatever you're doing, I'm talking now to you, sweet, sweet listener. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to be in the rest of your day, James. Ugh. So <laughs> I'll decide what sort of day you'll have. Thrilled about that. <laughs> yeah, have a good day, everybody. Um, where, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we mm. hope it's going well. Happy we'll Midsummer. Happy Midsummer to you. Uh-huh. I hope you're enjoying it and seeing some shows or whatever you're doing. And supporting um, the queer community. Yeah. Um, as usual, we may already disagree with everything we just said. Yes, our opinions can change. That's allowed. We're human beings. Uh, and friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Yes. Yes. Correct. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a rock-solid policy. If your friend does become a theatre critic, what should they do, Jake? What should they do? Yeah. Um, confront them about it and then gradually face them out if they don't change. Perfect. You know, it's called boundaries. It is called, but it's respecting yourself. And it's respecting it others. You have to let them know how to treat you well. There we go. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll leave, I'll leave you on this. Go ahead. Um, I, guess I, I have nothing. I had nothing. Oh, no. What? That wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. Your improbabilities. Yeah, my improbabilities that don't exist. Guys, write in. Let me g- give me something to say at the end of these to wrap up. Mm-hmm.